And now here's another timely yet timeless word from the Word of God from one of our services at First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. I just want to read the last couple of verses from our passage and then have a word of prayer. This is the Lord speaking. He says, Martha, Martha, you were worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, and which shall not be taken away from her. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, uh, these are important words that we need to hear this morning that talks about maybe our priorities, what should be uh, done, uh, what should make sure and be done. So God, I pray that you would just uh, prepare our hearts to hear this, uh, Father, to make any uh, changes necessary so that we can be drawn nearer to you through your word. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Well, in their first book, um, First Things First, is actually what it's called, Stephen Covey and Roger Merrill asked this penetrating question, what is the one activity that you know if you did superbly well and consistently would have significant positive results in your personal life? Now notice it's asking about one thing. Then they ask, if you know this thing would make such a significant difference, why are you not doing it now? Now they discuss how we wrongly let the urgent take priority over that which is truly important. Now let's ask those questions about our walk with God. What is the one activity that you know if you did superbly well and consistently would have significant positive results in your walk with God? And then, if you know this would make such a significant difference, why didn't you do this this past week? Now, I believe that the one significant activity is spending time alone with the Lord in His Word and in prayer. Sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to his word is that one thing that is necessary in life. Now that's the main, main uh, message of this little story. It gives us a glimpse into an incident in the life of Jesus and these two sisters who hosted him for a dinner. Now the story is, is rather short. It's amazingly concise and yet it's packed with punch. Luke seems to put it here uh, both to contrast it with the incident that comes before it and to elaborate on part of it. In that story, the previous story, a lawyer challenged Jesus by testing him with a question. Well, in this story, Martha welcomed Jesus into her home. Now, there's a big difference between challenging someone and welcoming them into your home. And I think Luke wants us to ask, do I put Jesus to the test or do I welcome him into my life? In the first story, the lawyer cites the two great commitment, commandments, right? To love God and to, to love our neighbor. But the emphasis uh, through the parable of the Good Samaritan is on love for our neighbor. Well, in this story, we see an example of what it means to love God as Mary sits at Jesus' feet. If we only had the story of the Good Samaritan, we might allow service for God to take precedence or priority over devotion to God. But the story of Mary shows us that devotion to God, that has to be the basis for all of our service for him. Worship must undergird our work. 
Now, it's significant that every time we encounter Mary of Bethany in the Gospels, she is at Jesus' feet. First here, then at her brother Lazarus' death, she falls at Jesus' feet. And then, of course, finally, when she anoints Jesus before his death. Now, it's also significant that Jesus visited these women and was willing to teach them about spiritual matters. In that culture, uh, many rabbis thought that teaching women was a waste of time. But Jesus took the time to evangelize and to teach women, showing us the value that God places on all people. And through these women, especially Mary, the Lord teaches us a vital lesson about the main priority that we need to hold on to in the midst of our busy schedules, namely that of sitting at his feet. Jesus calls this the one necessary thing, the good part. Now probably most of you would agree with me that at least theoretically, uh, consistently spending time sitting at Jesus' feet ought to be one of our main priorities. But I would guess, based on my years of pastoral experience, that most of you struggle with doing it consistently. Now, I hope today to motivate you a little bit uh, by showing you why you should be sitting at Jesus' feet and why it is that necessary thing. And then I want to analyze some of the, the common hindrances that we've got to overcome if we want to do it consistently. And then I want to show you just how to get started. So why is sitting at Jesus' feet the one necessary thing? Now many of you have tried to get into God's word in the past and spend time with the Lord in prayer, but you kind of lost your motivation. Maybe you jumped into Genesis with a lot of gusto and you actually made it through Exodus, but then comes Leviticus and you get lost and you, you die somewhere in Leviticus. That's, that's not unusual. Maybe you didn't get much out of it and, and so you just quit. But whatever happened to kill your motivation, the fact that Jesus calls Mary's action of sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to his word the necessary thing, that ought to be sufficient reason to commit yourself to doing it. But I want to give you four specific reasons why you should make sitting at the Lord's feet the main priority in your life. Four things. One, the Word provides us with the very wisdom of God that we need for all of life's decisions and directions. Now, the best Greek manuscripts, they use the title the Lord in this passage rather than the name Jesus. Luke is making the point that Jesus is none other than the Lord God. And therefore, his word is God's word. Now, you may, may think, it must have been wonderful to sit there at his feet and hear Jesus speak as Mary did. I wish that I could go back to that time and place and join her. But the fact is, we all have the inspired word of God available, available to us every day. And yet, we often neglect it. God has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness in his word. The scriptures are able to give you the wisdom, the wisdom that leads to salvation through Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Peter tells us that like newborn babes, we are to long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. You want to grow in your salvation? You better be in the Word. 
Well, as we've seen, Jesus overcame Satan's temptations by quoting from Scripture that he knew by heart. As the psalmist proclaimed, your word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. God's word gives us knowledge about how to love God and to love one another. But many Christians are defeated by sin and their relationships are strained and yet they seldom get into the Bible to search for the answers that it contains. It's as if we're dying from cancer and there is a, there is a remedy sitting right there on the shelf and we just won't reach up and take it down and use it. Now, not only does God's word give us the wisdom that leads to salvation and the understanding that we need to grow in godliness, it gives us the perspective we need to face the trials of this life, including death. Uh, the word promises, promises us hope in the midst of our trials and hope beyond the grave. So is it any wonder that when, when Mary sat listening to the word of the Lord that Jesus said that she was doing the one thing necessary? Well, second, the word puts us in communion with the living Lord of heaven and earth. Now, Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to his word, that implies a communion or a fellowship of, of her spirit with that of the Lord. Like the two men on the road to Emmaus, uh, I bet Mary's heart, it must have burned uh, within her, in her as she listened to Jesus explain scriptures. Now through her time communing with the Lord at his feet, Mary developed a sensitivity that enabled her to anoint him for his burial. And if you remember, Jesus says this is an act that is going to be told about her wherever the gospel is preached. And it is. We need to remember that the point of spending time in the Word and in prayer is not so that we can simply check it off of our to-do list. The point is to meet with the Lord, to commune with Him as Mary did, to sit at His feet listening to His Word. Well, third, the Word puts all of life's pressures in proper perspective. Martha was stressed out by the preparations of, or, or the pressure of preparing, uh, preparing the meal for her honored guest. She had probably worried about it for days since she found out that Jesus was on the way. She wanted everything to be right for the occasion. But because her focus was on those pressures, she ended up worried and bothered about so many things. She even blurts out an accusation against Jesus and against her sister. And you know what she did in doing that? She violated both of the great commandments. If she had just taken the time to join her sister at Jesus' feet, all of these pressures would have fallen into proper perspective. Now, this applies to us. It's so easy to allow the pressures of life to, to crowd in on us and get our focus in the wrong place. We can even think, well, if I take the time to uh, spend with the Lord, all the demands of my time are simply going to stack up even higher. But just a few minutes spent in the word and in prayer can lift the burden. It can give us the Lord's uh, clear and calm perspective. Even though our circumstances haven't changed, we now see them differently. Well, fourth, the word is the good part, which cannot be taken away. Mary chose the good portion to dine at Jesus' feet, listening to his word. Now, she would still have that long after the meal was forgotten. 
Mary was practicing the words of Deuteronomy 8.3 that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. You can lose just about everything in life, but you will not lose the time you spend communing with the Lord. You can lose your job, your money, your possessions, your friends, even loved ones. But as Paul says at the climax of Romans 8, nothing, not tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, not even death itself or demonic powers can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If spending time sitting at our Lord's feet and listening to his word is so wonderful, then why don't we sit at Jesus' feet more often? Now, there are more reasons that I have time to list. You know busyness is one of those things, but I, I want to mention a few that really come out of our text. And the first one is, we're too busy with urgent demands. Martha was distracted with all of her preparations. Jesus says she is worried and bothered about so many things. There were all the urgent demands of getting the meal prepared, setting the table, baking the bread, roasting the meat, fixing the vegetables, um, uh, coordinating everything so that it all got done at the same time. Now, we don't know if Jesus was there alone or with the 12 was with him. If the 12 were there, we're talking a big production, right? But even if they weren't, there was a lot to do. And from Martha's perspective, it was urgent. Now, our modern world, with all its time-saving devices, hasn't eased the problem of time pressure, has it? If we're honest, we all feel it. We all face deadlines, whether it's preparing the evening meal, getting a report done for school, or preparing for some important event at work. Many urgent things are for good causes, even necessary but often they're not important in the sense of really making a dis difference in our lives over the long haul. And certainly not some of them for eternity. Now a time management expert was speaking to a group of business students. And he pulled out a one gallon wide mouth clear jar. You know what I'm talking about? Took the top off. Uh, then he took about a dozen fist sized rocks and put them into the jar slowly so that it didn't break. Put them all in there. And when no more rocks would fit in, he, he, he asked the class, is the jar full? And everyone answered, yes. He said, ah. He reached under the table and he pulled out a bucket of gravel. And so he started pouring the gravel in there and shaking the jar and the gravel worked its way down in between the big rocks and filled it up more. And then he asked again, is the jar full? Now, by this time, the class was kind of on, on to him, and they said, probably not. And he goes, good. He reached under the table. He brought out a bucket of sand. He starts pouring the sand in and shaking it, and you can see the sand filling in the places where there's just air. And he gets to the top, and he says, okay, is the jar full now? And, of course, they've learned, and they say, no. And he says, good. And he pulls out a bucket of water. And he pours the water in there and fills it all the way to the brim. And then he says, okay, what's the point of the illustration? Well, one eager beaver said, the point is no matter how full your schedule is, is, is if you try hard enough, you can always fit more things into it. And he goes, mm, no, wrong, that is not the point. The point is this, if you don't put the big rocks in first, first, 
you will not get them in there at all. If you don't do the big rocks first, they're not getting in there. Jesus is saying, time spent sitting at my feet and listening to my word is a big rock. If you worry with the pebble and the sand and water, it's easy to fill your day up and you don't get any of the big rocks in. And one of the big rocks is sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to his word. Even good things like serving the Lord can wrongly crowd out the necessary thing. Well, second, we get, distract, we get distracted by worries and cares. Now, this hindrance, it affects some personality types more than others. If you're more like Martha than Mary, you need to be on guard against this. Some people are prone to worry and, and fret over all sorts of things that others may not even be thinking about. Mary was probably thinking, uh, excuse me, Martha was probably thinking, I wonder if Jesus likes the roast, the roast lamb. What will he think about the table setting? Have I made enough food? And look at Mary sitting over there talking theology. Doesn't she know that there are some practical things that I could use some help with? Mary was the more contemplative devotional type I would guess that she helped out before Jesus arrived but once he got there she became engrossed in his teaching and didn't even think about the many things that were bothering Martha now I'm convinced that both Martha and Mary loved the Lord and certainly there is room for all personality types in the Lord's work we need hard-working servants like Martha just as much as we need sensitive listeners and learners like Mary. But even so, the Lord here corrects Martha and commends Mary. Now, Martha thought that the Lord would agree with her. Don't we all think that the Lord would agree with us? But he didn't. He sided with Mary on this occasion. This means that those who are, are prone to be like Martha, worried and bothered about all of the things to do, need to be on guard. It's so easy to let the good crowd out the best. They need to take the time to sit at Jesus' feet and listen to his word. That is the one necessary thing. Well, third, we're afraid of what family and friends will think of us. Mary didn't succumb to this hindrance of sitting at Jesus' feet, but she could have. She could have thought, if I sit here listening to Jesus, Martha is going to get all hot and bothered. I need, to, I, need, I need to go help her. But that would have been a mistake. Now, it's not that we should sit around having our devotions when there is housework or preparations for meals uh, to be done. It's not right to leave all of the work to the servant types while we spiritual types sit around not lifting a finger. No, that's not what I'm talking about. The question is one of balance. Martha was overboard on her preparations and it was keeping her from this key moment, a key moment of hearing Jesus teach on spiritual things. If you decide that you're going to spend time each day alone with the Lord, and as a, as a result of that time, you begin to change in your attitudes and behaviors in your family, I'll warn you, be on guard. 
Your new godly ways are going to expose the old sinful ways of your family and convict them. Your change means that other family members can no longer blame you for their sinful ways. And they're going to attack you in an attempt to get things back to the old normal. You've got to determine to hold firmly and graciously to sitting at the feet of Jesus, no matter what your family members may say or do. Well, hopefully you are motivated to spend time consistently sitting at Jesus' feet. You're aware of some of the hindrances that need to be overcome and resisted in order to do that. Well, finally, how can we get started at sitting in Je at Jesus' feet? Well, first of all, stop blaming others. Deal with your pride and commit to change. Now, we're not told what Mar Martha's response was. But it would not have been easy for her to change. The easy thing would, for her would have been to break into tears at the Lord's rebuke and then go off into the other room and feel sorry for herself. No one understood how hard she had tried to put on a good meal. In order to change, Martha had to stop blaming the Lord for not caring, stop blaming Mary for not helping, and sit down with a teachable heart and listen to what the Lord was teaching without worrying about the roasts in the kitchen. Now, I hope that Martha did that, but it would not have been easy. Now, if you're a Martha, male or female, and you want to become more like a Mary, male or female, you've got to stop blaming others for why you don't spend time alone with the Lord. It's not your mate's fault. It's not your kid's fault, your boss's fault, your roommate's fault. It's not your impersonal schedule's fault. It's your fault. You've got to humble yourself by confessing your sin and putting it in your schedule when you're going to spend time with God. Well, second, start simply and realistically and work up from there. Uh, if you don't have a consistent time alone with God, don't begin with a goal of an hour a day, seven days a week. You're likely not going to meet it and you're going to become discouraged. Aim at 10 to 15 minutes a day in, in reading the Word and, and, then, and then in prayer. Uh, do it at least five days a week. Get a good study Bible in a reliable modern translation. If you've never read the Bible before, start with the New Testament and perhaps with Psalms and Proverbs. Once you've read through these books a couple of times, tackle the Old Testament. I encourage you to keep just a little a notebook handy where you can jot down observations and, and ways that you need to apply what you're reading. The aim of your time is to meet with God through his word and in prayer and to apply it obediently in your life. I would encourage you to use some three-by-five cards and, and, and write down some key verses on them and commit them to memory. Go over them repeatedly, okay? You know the key to real estate? Somebody say it. You know what it is. Lisa, what's the key to real estate? Three keys. Location, location, location. What's the key to, to, to memorization? Repetition, repetition, repetition. You repeat it enough and it sticks. 
right? I know my sister's phone number over in, in Shalimar because she's had it for 60 years. And it's never changed. So I still know it. I've repeated it so much. Encourage you to do that. God is going to use the memorized word to deliver you from temptation to change how you think, how you speak, how you behave. If you're on the road a lot, I'd encourage you to get the New Testament on a CD or some other electronic format and listen to it over and over again. Now, the aim in all of this is to change from conformity to this world to conformity to the Son of God, conformity to Jesus Christ. And it's through the renewing of your mind. Now, note that sitting at Jesus' feet is something that Mary chose to do. It won't happen accidentally. There's just other things to get in the way. And many of them are good things. But they crowd out what is necessary. It's not something that you choose to do once for life and it's settled. You have to keep choosing it over and over again, day after day after day. And you do that by saying no to the things no to other things so that you can say yes to this one necessary thing. So the bottom line is, Jesus says that sitting at his feet and listening to his word is the one necessary thing for those who follow him. You know that if you did this well and consistently, it would have a significant positive result on your relationship with both God and with others. Now, if you know that, or let me say it this way, knowing that, this would make such a significant difference in your life, will you begin to do it today or tomorrow? Commit to it. Do what it takes to do it consistently from now on. If you will, Jesus says you are choosing the good part and it will not be taken from you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this just short little story, a little glimpse into the life of Jesus as he interacts with uh, Martha and Mary and, and shows us what is really important. Yes, service is important, but Father, time spent with you is so much more important. It prepares us for the service that we are about to render. So God, I pray that you would just convict our hearts and Lord, that uh, six months from now, a year from now, we would be able to give testimony to say, yes, I've been in God's word. I've been spending time with him in prayer and I can see the difference it is making in my life. God, help us to follow you in that way. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. Well, I hope that you know the Lord uh, Jesus this morning. As I said, uh, he's not referred to as Jesus in this passage. He's called the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. And that's to show to us that what he says Okay, comes from the mouth of God. What we have today is what we call Scripture, the Bible. That's our revelation that He has given us. And it is adequate. It is sufficient. Is it complete? Is it comprehensive? No. But it is, it is what God wants us to have. And these Scriptures will lead you to salvation in Christ Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus this morning, I encourage you, call out to Him. It's actually quite simple. Uh, we, we were create, we've created by God. Therefore, he has rights over us. Uh, because we have sinned, we are separated from God. 
And all mankind longs to get back to God. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that he has put eternity in the heart of man. There's something in us that can only be filled by what um, C.S. Lewis called a God-shaped void. We try to fill it with all kind of things. And believe me, this world offers an awful lot that says, I can fill that spot for you if you'll just get me. And it's not true. There's only one thing that fills it. And that's a right relationship with God. Well, how do you have that right relationship with God? As I said, we're separated. Jesus came as a means of being brought back to God. Galatians 3.13 tells us that Christ, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For as it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That is our due. That is, that, that, that's our lot outside of Christ. But he came and he died in our stead. You trust him. It's a matter of faith. You believe and trust in Jesus. And you, he will make you a child of God. A brother of Christ, co-heir with Christ. There's only good benefits. Does that mean life is going to get perfect? No. How many believers in here uh, would testify, oh, my life is just absolutely perfect? No. Your life doesn't get perfect, uh, but it takes on a new dimension that will give you that inner satisfaction, that significance that you have been longing for. It's only found in Christ. If you're a believer and, and you're in God's Word, Praise God. That's where he wants you. That's where he wants you. There is no doubt about that. If you're not in God's word on a daily basis, I encourage you to get there. Don't start with these huge goals. Start with small goals. And as you are fed on a little, you know what will happen? Your hunger will increase. And you'll want more. And you'll want more. And you'll want more. Just start eating of God's word. Spending time talking with God. He'll meet you there. Thank you for joining us for this podcast from First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. You can find more information and follow us on Facebook or visit our website, crawfordvillefbc.com.